Hi, thanks for listening to Extreme Encounter Ministries podcast. We pray that you are blessed and challenged through this time and through this teaching. God bless you, and thanks again for listening. Over the last couple of years, just to see God do some crazy things in this young man's life, and so he's getting ready to take off, moving to California, and so I asked him just to just to share his heart before he goes, and so yeah, Michael Persley, would you just welcome him, folks? Goods? I don't know. That's what you guys say when you start preaching. Is everybody good? Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, this morning, um, yeah, like we've been we've been getting blasted a lot with uh, pastors been preaching a lot about being a new creation in Christ and this revelation of um, grace. And so, like the Lord's really just been ministering to me the last several months about you know like what's your response to this and eternal life. And um, before I get started, the I always like to do this because we're all coming from different streams. I call this church the Island of Misfit Toys, um, wherever I go. And it's not a derogatory thing. It's just we're all coming from different places. We're all random. Uh, and we're all, we all have different understanding, you know. And depending on what you've been taught, your upbringing, uh, your experiences, um, preconceived ideas you have, you have filters in you. Of how you and lenses of which you see God and how you see the Bible and how you see the church and how you see this country and all those things. We all have filters because of these things. And so today, if I say something that like you just what like just understand, we all have different filters. And I'm just uh, wanting to see the Holy Spirit move and shift perspectives. And I always do this demonstration. So Lane, you want to come here? Okay. God has really ministered to me the truth that your perspective will dictate how you see something. Your perspective of where you are is going to dictate how you see something. So look at the room, okay? You examine everything. All right. Now look at the room. Okay. Now lay on the ground. Yeah, lay on the ground like that. Now look at the room. Now flip on your back. Okay. You can stand up. The point is... Like, he stood in the exact same place, but his perspective dictated on how he's seen this room. So depending on where you're at, your perspective is going to dictate how you take what I'm saying. Does that make sense? Nod your heads. They won't fall off, I promise. Yeah? Cool. All right. So at one time, I always share this. At one time, people believed that the earth was uh, flat, right? They believed that if you sailed so far that you would drop off the edge. Uh, Then... But if you actually, if you zoom out about 15 miles, you can see a curvature of the earth. You zoom out a bit farther, and uh, we know that we're living on this spinning ball, right? That's freaking crazy. The perspective dictates how you see. I just want to like, because some stuff I see, you're like, what? Okay. So one thing that God has really been ministering to me is eternal life is not to get to heaven. Again, perspective will dictate how you see it. I've been ministered to my whole life. I was raised in the Methodist church. I went to a Church of Christ Bible college, and I started hanging out with charis- crazy charismatics. But God showed me in John 17 that eternal life is not to get to heaven. Heaven's not even the goal. But that's what many churches minister and preach, that we have to have this upward focus and strive and work hard 
to get to heaven. But in John 17, Jesus said this. In John 17, verse 3, he said, Eternal life is this, to know God the Father and to know the Son. Heaven just happens to be the continuation and byproduct of what? Knowing God the Father and knowing the Son here. But I see it ministered in a lot of places like we're not, we can't meet God until we go to heaven. So then heaven becomes the goal and not Christ. But Christ is the goal. Christ is the reward. And it happens at the moment of salvation. You enter into this union. You enter into this marriage. And so I want to convey to you that if you lose the concept of marriage, you've lost the concept of eternal life. God's not an angry boss who's pointing you in one of two directions. You're either going to get to heaven or get fired. That's not God. We're called the bride of Christ, so we're married. We've entered into a union. You know, We have all of God, and He has all of us. We're in this union with God. And the whole point of it all, the point of it all, is to know Him and to step into a relationship with Him. Yeah. And today, I just wanted to speak a bit about purpose, and I want to speak a bit about destiny. I want to speak a bit about what is your response going to be to this mystical union that we've entered into? Because I wanted to break off the lie that the goal is heaven, because Paul said that he's already seated us in heavenly places. And Bill Johnson preaches that the reason that most Christians live dissatisfied, disappointed, and discouraged lives is because they're trying to get into a room they're already in. Do you understand? You've already been unified with God in the person of Christ. Paul said this, I'm hidden in Christ. The life I live, I no longer exist, but I live in Christ. You're already there. It's already happened in the Spirit. So you just need to come in agreement with it. And, and I think the enemy has done a very good job of fixating and focusing on trying to get to heaven and trying to get sin out of our lives. And we've lost like the concept of, of eternal life and we've lost the concept of the kingdom. And it's very plainly written. It's nothing new I'm preaching. There's nothing new that I'm sharing. This is the message that Paul was preaching. And so um, I remember Francis Chan shared in this book, It Was Crazy Love, and he talked about um, this, this fixation and focus with the goal is heaven and the prize is heaven. And it's not about God. And he said it was like this. It was like... Um, your children coming to you and they say, Dad, I don't really love you. I don't really want a relationship with you. I don't really care what you have to say about my life. Can I have my allowance now? This is very much the approach that we take. And I, I believe that a lot of people, because they don't encounter the love of God, because they don't experience the love of God, they have a desperation to get to heaven, not out of love or motivation for relationship, but a fear of hell and punishment. And what does the word say about that? If you have fear, you're ignorant in love. Yeah. Perfect love casts out all fear. So it's not really even that they want to get to heaven. It's just they don't want to be punished. And Francis Chan also shared in this book, and he said this, and this messed with me for weeks. This messed with me. He said, if you can have heaven, if you can have heaven with every person that you've ever known that you love, if you can have heaven with all your favorite food, every leisure activity that you like, every natural beauty of this world, uh, any, any leisure activity, all those things, with no natural disaster, with no human conflict, and no disease and death. If you could have heaven like that for eternity without Christ, would you have it? I'll be real. I, I had, I, for three weeks, I sat there. Do I even love God? Because that's what I was conditioned to. That was the goal. I think if we're honest with ourselves, I sat there for three weeks. I'm like, oh, my God, I'm a horrible person. I don't love Jesus. Because I was conditioned to believe that was the goal. 
No one told me. No one told me I could hear God's voice. No one told me that, that Jesus said, if you love me, I'll show myself to you. No one told me these things. And I believe that, that, that the focus and the fixation uh, that, that God is shifting perspectives in our generation in this time. That God's greatest hits that happened 2,000 years ago, that you do the holy do's and the holy don'ts and then you wait to die to go to heaven doesn't work. These kids right here, they don't believe that. All these kids who have showed up, they don't believe that. They were dissatisfied with that. I went to a, a church camp, a Methodist church camp a few weeks ago, and I told them, I was like, do you know God doesn't expect blind faith from you? God doesn't expect you just to blindly follow him. And I shared that in the Quran it says that this book is for anybody seeking the creator of everything that exists and wants no doubt. That's the claim that the Muslims have. And then you, you sit there as a Christian and say, this is my proof. Well, then they hold the Quran. This is my proof. How do you know? And I was like, this week, you will, def you will see a miracle, and you will hear God's voice. You will definitively know God exists. And then I turned around, like, okay, Jesus, you better show up. So that night, I preached that. Come here, Marcus. This kid right here, he's getting ready to go into ninth grade. He's raised in Methodist church. Never seen anybody healed. He, he was so shy that he's probably, like, freaking out right now. He's so shy, he would cry if, I asked, if you asked him to pray for somebody. He's just shaking nervous. This boy laid hands on a 20-year-old girl and commanded her leg to grow out in the name of Jesus, and we watched it grow out. He's seen it. He's seen it. He's seen it. Ryan's seen it, and I've seen it. And I want to break off lies right now. I want to break off lies. Like a lot of people try to poison people and say you have to go through these tears of salvation. It doesn't say that in a word. It says these signs follow those who believe. It doesn't say these signs follow those who pray in tongues. Da, 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 da. You don't have to jump through the tears. It just follows those who believe. Tongues will happen. Being filled with the Holy Spirit will happen. But these signs follow those who believe. Marcus just stepped out. And he's like, in the name of Jesus, I command you to grow out. We've seen her get healed. We've seen a Catholic kid. He had option slaughter's disease in his knee. He got healed. We've seen another girl had chronic uterus pain and, and stomach pain. Every day of her life, she woke up. She got healed. We've seen another girl. Her hip, her leg came out of the socket when she played basketball. She couldn't squat to the floor. She got healed. All in the same night by a group of Methodist kids praying. Yeah. And so then, then this shifting happens where, like, the focus and fixation isn't um, to, to strive to get to play. And I want to add this as well. This, is, this really messes with me, this, this fixation focus of getting to heaven. And I'm not trying to make you feel heaven's going to be awesome. We're going to be chilling with Jesus forever. That's cool. Like, I'm not trying to make you feel bad about that at all. Like, I'm 100% for that. I'm just saying living this life as a zombie, living this life asleep, kind of like nullifies the work of the cross. And I, when, here's the deal. If, if death is where you meet God, if that's true, if death is where really what you meet God, then think about that statement. Death is eternal life. Death provided you with eternal life. And a lot of people will even preach that we're not really free from sin until we die. So death has made you righteous. Death has made you holy. Death has made you sanctified. What was the point of the cross? What was the point of the cross? You know, we, that, that's the reality of, of grace. And that's the reality of what Jesus has provided. That you literally do not have to sin another day in your life. 
That the grace of God is God, the person of God that you become unified with, and it keeps you from falling into corruption. To live a holy and righteous and sanctified life. But people will preach like you always struggle, you always strive, and you'll never be perfect, and you'll never, you'll never be holy. So you, you've just entered people into a system that you said is destined for failure. Live your life miserable, trying to be a better you, but it'll never happen. Until you get to heaven. When Jesus said, come to me, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He didn't come to me. Come to me and have a lifelong wrestling match with sin. <laughs> no, it, it didn't play out like that. So anyways, this revelation that we're walking into, that's nothing new. It's, it's in scripture that God is just totally wrecking us with. There, there is a option to become passive to it and complacent with it. The, the work is already done by what Christ has done. And I see some people slipping into this passivity uh, of it. And I just want to share this morning, like, and you have to ask yourself, like, what's my response going to be? Uh, one thing in the church, I'm just, I'm just speaking off my head, but one thing I, I love about this church is we get so caught up in the spirit sometimes. I've been here in different Sundays where we didn't even take up an offering. We forgot. We were so whacked in the spirit. Um, and I believe that that. that Giving and, and stuff that pastor references doesn't need to be preached as much as you just need to have a revelation of grace. And the overflow of that, you're just going to pour out in your life, not just with money and stuff like that. I'm saying like in your life. But anyways, there's a story that, that Jesus shares about um, this banquet that he's going to throw. He says... Um, in the story, I'm just paraphrasing it, but he sent out a lot of people to invite people. And nobody came. Everybody had excuses. And he sent out more people. And nobody came. They had excuses. And after he, he, he says this um, story about the banquet that he's throwing and no one came, he said, many are called, but few are chosen. Many are called, but few are chosen. Many are called, few are chosen. And I, I always pondered that. And, and I heard this sermon from Banning Liebster that totally wrecked me. And he was talking about many are called, but few are chosen. And he, and he shared this story about moving. Um, he's like, you really know who the people who love you if you have to move. Because, like, what's the last thing you want to do on a Saturday afternoon? You've just finished work, and then your, your sister, your brother, your friend, hey, we're having a moving party. You want to come help us move? And so you really know, like, and every, even your close friends, always, there's always an excuse. Like, my brother just got shot in the leg. Like, there's a funeral. Like, I don't know. They come up with some excuse. I can't do it. I can't do it. And this is very much what's happening in this parable. We're going to get married. I just bought a piece of land. i got to go try out the oxen I just bought. There was an excuse coming. He's like, but you really know who loves you, by sh who shows up to help you move. He uses this illustration. And God is calling everybody in this church right now. If you're sitting here, pinch yourself. Right now, if you have flesh, he's calling you to move a nation. He's calling you to move a nation. And you want to know how you get chosen? You just say yes. You just show up. You show up to help him move. That's it. God's calling everyone. And everybody in here is above excuse of how I'm not qualified. And I, I'm going to run through some scripture, just blast you with it, uh, of why you're not qualified. But I, the one in, in, when Peter is quoting Joel and the prophecy of Joel, he said, in those days I will pour my spirit out on all flesh. The reason I had you pinch yourself, if you pinch yourself, you've qualified. I will pour my spirit out on all flesh. 
And then he goes down the line. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. And your men servants and your maid servants and your children, your children. So it doesn't matter if you're Marcus age. It doesn't matter if you're 70 and up. Your old men are going to move in the spirit. Your young men are going to move in the spirit. You receive the spirit of God. You're qualified. You're chosen. And everybody in here, I, I don't think it, I think America paints a really narrow picture of what this looks like. But I'll share some testimony um, of people who just, God, God has pre-wired everybody in here with dreams and desire. And he's given you talents and he's giving you um, gifts that you excel at. If you're a business owner, it doesn't make sense for, or if you, if you know how to really get a business up and running and successfully run it, it doesn't make sense for you to quit all that and then come and try to be a pulpit minister. That doesn't make sense. God has put those gifts inside of you. I'm not saying don't, don't come and preach. I'm saying to leave that behind and forsake that gift that God has implanted in you. Because I can't do that. I can't run a business. I don't know about you guys. But that's a God-given gift. I have a friend. She has a, a deep desire for fashion. It sounds weird, I know. She loves fashion. And what she wants to do is she wants to design clothes. And the clothing line, the money that she gets from that, she uses that to sell into a ministry to get kids out of sex slavery. God has put things inside of you. It doesn't always have to look all like religious and whatever, man. God has given you um, dreams and desires inside of you. The word says he's given us the desires of his heart. That means he's put desires inside of you. And I want to share with you that God is more excited about the dreams that you have than you are because he put them there. And he's more on purpose to see it happen than you are because he put them there. All you get to do is say, I'll show up. I'll do it. That's all you get to do. Because Christ is the, is the bridegroom, right? Christ is the man. He's the pursuer. So when a man proposes to a woman, what does the woman get to do? I do. Yeah. And so, like, this is the reality that we stepped into. And um, <laughs> so I want to share um, a bit about what this looks like because... Many people, even in the charismatic church, say, I can't hear God's voice. I can't hear God's voice. Let me tell you, if you pinch yourself, again, if you have flesh, you can hear God's voice. Every person in this room, you can hear God's voice. Jesus said, my sheep will hear and know my voice. He didn't say they would just know my book. He didn't say that they would just listen to pastor. Everybody in here has to hear God's voice. You have to hear God's voice. If, if you can't, I, I don't know how you're going to feel about this, but this is what the Lord revealed to me. Paul said in Galatians that if you live your life trying to follow the written word, that's not faith. So if you try to follow the letter of the law, it's not faith. If I remove relationship with God and love, this is just another law. It's not the Mosaic law, but it's an evangelical law, if you will. You have to hear God's voice. Because otherwise, you're turning your cheek all the time. And the reality is that if you read this book... And try to interpret it and figure out how to live your life without letting God have his input. You're living the way you want to. It looks good and it sounds good in principle to read the Bible and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do this. But you will inevitably pick and choose. You have to hear God's voice. To know. To know how much to give. People have opted out said, we will only give 10% this Sunday. That's not biblical. That was Old Testament. You give whatever the Holy Spirit tells you. If he, doesn't tell, if he tells you not to give anything, don't give. But the point is, like, we have to hear God's voice because how are we going to know these dreams and desires that God has called us to? 
We don't. And so then we just model ourselves after what America has told us. Well, I'll graduate from high school. I'll go to college. If I don't really know what I'll do, I'll just go in undecided. Maybe I'll figure it out. And people stumble around and are miserable. Are miserable. They, they go to, I have friends who go to college. They spent eight years in college and don't even do what their degree is. Now, I can't stand that. I just did it because I thought of the money. You know, God has a, he said that the life that I have for you is abundant. It's overflowing. I think you're actually supposed to enjoy it. And I think Jesus said that if you want to save your life, you can lose it. And if you lose it, you'll save it. And he wasn't talking about, uh, you know, this, this death to self, whatever. He was saying, I have a life for you. I've been doing this life thing for a little bit. If you can trust me, just trust me and let go of your preconceived idea and just walk with hands wide open to receive what I have for you. You'll get the life that I have. But if you walk through life holding on to your preconceived idea, trying to, get, trying to make it, trying to survive, trying to whatever, you're going to lose the life I had for you. He doesn't love you any less. He's not sitting there like, but you've missed out on God-given dreams. You've missed out on God appointments. On things that he has prepared for you, that he's predestined for you. And so I want to share this. Is, this comes out of First Corinthians chapter two, um, and it's verses nine through fourteen. And I took this class. I, I came out of a out of a college where they said you can't hear God's voice. Miracles don't happen. Um, wait to die to go to heaven, that kind of vibe. <clears throat> and the first class that I took at, in, a, in another college was how to hear God's voice. They, it's a requirement. Before you, you take any class, you have to take this class, no matter what your major is. You have to take this class, how to hear God's voice. Mark Burke would preach this. But I'm going to share the scriptures. 1 Corinthians 2, do you have the slide for that? 1 Corinthians 2, uh, 9 through 14. But on the contrary, as the scripture says, what eye has not seen, what ear has not heard, and was not entered the heart of man, all that God has prepared, he made and keep ready for those who love him, who hold him affectionately in reverence and prompting, obeying him, and gratefully recognizing him um, and the benefits he has bestowed. Yet to us God has unveiled and revealed them by and through the Holy Spirit. For the Holy Spirit searches diligently, exploring and examining everything, even the sounding and profound and bottomless things of God, the divine counsels and things hidden and beyond man's scrutiny. For what a person perceives, what passes through a man's thought except the, the man's own spirit within him, just so no one discerns and comes to understand and comprehend the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have not received the Spirit that belongs to the world, but the Holy Spirit who is from God, given to us that we might realize, comprehend, and appreciate the gifts of divine favor and blessing that he freely, lavishly bestowed upon us. And we are setting these truths forth, not in words taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Holy Spirit, combining and interpreting spiritual truths with spiritual language to those who possess the Holy Spirit. But the natural, non-spiritual man does not accept or welcome or admit these things into his heart and the teachings and revelations of the Spirit of God for their foolishness to him, and he is incapable of knowing them, understanding them, becoming acquainted with them, recognizing them, because they are spiritually discerned and estimated and appreciated. Again, we can, the Bible is good, and I'm not devaluing the Bible for what it is. But when you rely on a book that the church, at the, the church of Acts didn't have more than the Holy Spirit they did have, how can you hope to live any part of the Christian life? And so he's saying... 
that God is going to reveal to us what my eyes haven't seen, my ears haven't heard, and what hasn't even came into my heart yet. God's going to reveal his plan to you. But it's not outlined in here. I mean, if you can help me find it, Lane, show me your life story in here. Show me what you're supposed to do. Show me what you're supposed to do, Trey. God is going to reveal to you through the Holy Spirit what your life is going to look like, what it's supposed to look like, what you're called to do. And the amazing thing about God is that He's he's infinite, right? He's infinite in expression and creativity. He made every single person in this room completely different on purpose. He made you completely different on purpose. And I see that the church many times wants people to be like cookie cutters, you know? Look like this, act like this, talk like this. But that wasn't really what Paul was preaching either because he's saying to these people, if you want to recognize festival, eat meat, Whatever, you can do that. If you don't want to do that, da, 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 that's fine. Just so you both know, that's not what makes you righteous. But if you guys want to do that, that's fine. But they had a, an understanding of a foundation that they stood on. And the foundation was Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And the, and the grace that came with that. Um, and so I just want to break off like, yeah, I don't know. I feel like there's like seven streams or seven outlets that people feel like if I really want to serve God, this is what I do. I can preach, I can be on the worship team, I can help do this, 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 this. But God is, is so um, on purpose to invade your life and to invade your workplace and to invade. And I can't sit here and tell you what that looks like because the Holy Spirit has to. I can't sit here and hold your hand and tell you like what that's supposed to look like. Um, But I do know this. I do know that if you go off on your life and you just, again, even if you're reading the book and you're getting the principles, you're getting the ideas, you're still living the way completely you want to if you're not hearing the Holy Spirit. I do know this. And I, I was reading in, in, in 1 Corinthians, again, and this is in chapter 3. And I'll just share this story and then and I'm about done. So this is 1 Corinthians chapter 3, 6 through 15. In verse 6, he says, I planted and Apollos watered, but God all the while was making it grow, and he gave increase. So neither he who plants or ne- nor, neither he who waters, but only God makes it grow. He who plants and he who waters is equal, and their one aim and importance and esteem. Yet each shall receive his own, will receive his own reward, his own wages, according to what he's labored. For we are fellow workmen, laboring together with and for God. You are God's garden and vineyard. And field under cultivation. You are God's building. According to the grace, the special endowment of my task of God bestowed on me like a skillful architect and a master builder. I laid the foundation. And now another man is building upon it. But let each man be careful how he builds it. For no other foundation can lay other than the one that's been laid, which is Christ Jesus. But if anyone builds upon the foundation, whether it be with gold, whether it be with silver, whether it be with precious stones, whether it be with hay, whether it be straw, the work that each one will done will be 
become plainly known. For the day of Christ will disclose and declare it, because it will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test it and critically appraise the character of the work and the work each person has done. If the work which each person has built in the foundation survives, he will have his reward. But if any person's work is burned up, he will suffer the loss, losing his reward, though he himself will be saved, but only one who has passed through the fire. And there's a lot going on in this scripture. Um, and he talks about like, I'm, Apollos is planting and I'm watering and there's no difference in between what we're doing. And I want to tell you that, that what Pastor does is exactly equal to what Michelle does, which is exactly equal to what Rhonda does. It's all for the kingdom. There's no, the most important job is what you're doing. The most important person is who's in front of you right then. But every single one of you, you each individual, that you have an equal measure and an equal esteem in the kingdom of God to what you're doing and its importance. And Paul talks about that there's a foundation that he's laid. And I already talked about that, that it's Christ Jesus. And he talks about it doesn't matter what you build upon it with. It doesn't matter if it's gold. It doesn't matter if it's silver. It doesn't matter if it's precious stones. It doesn't matter if it's wood, hand, straw. It doesn't matter if you're standing up here preaching. It doesn't matter if you go out on the street and just love people. It doesn't matter uh, what that looks like, what you build it with, whatever you're using. That doesn't matter. But what happens is, is he talks about that when you stand before God, everything that you've done is going to be tested. There's going to be an account. And Rodney Howard Brown shared this sermon once about being led by the Holy Spirit and not driven by a destiny. And I want to share with you again, if you just go and do whatever and think you're doing it for God and the Holy Spirit hasn't told you, you're still living the way that you want. Does this make sense? Because you, if you don't know, like you're just doing it on your own accord. Jesus said, I only do what I see my Father doing. I only say what I hear my Father saying. Jesus was modeling to you what a person's life looks like depending on the Holy Spirit to have a relationship with God the Father. He modeled it for you. So if you just go and do whatever, are you living within the will of God? And Rodney Howard Brown shared this, this, this uh, picture of a man. He went and planted a church, and it became a 10,000-person megachurch. And stuff was happening, and God was moving, and whatever. And this man was so driven by purpose for the kingdom of God. He felt so driven to do something for God, so he did all this. And then the man died, and he stood up um, in front of God. And when he stood up in front of the Lord... The Lord laid the, all the work that he'd done in his life up on the altar. And like the scripture says, the fire of God came. Poof. It all burned up. And he's like, what, what happened? What, what happened to what everything I did? Like, I did that for you. And the Lord's like, yeah, you did that for me, but I wasn't involved in it. That was all you, man. Good job, but that was all you. You understand, in Scripture it says that we've been predestined before the foundations of the world. Jesus said, you lose your life, you'll save it. He has a plan for your life. If you're sitting here right now, He has a plan for your life. And it's actually good. But if you decide to just uh, not lose your life, if you just want to hold on to your preconceived idea of what it's supposed to look like, you'll lose this life that He has called you to, of abundance. He's called you to heal the sick. That's a beautiful picture, you know. We can be doing a lot of good things as a church, but if we're not healing the sick, casting out demons, we're not doing those things. We're not doing what God told us to do. You can still be doing a lot of good things, but you're not doing what God told you to do. So I just want to share with you, and there's no condemnation here. I'm not trying to make you feel guilty or shame. I'm just trying to make you aware that I thought for a long time I was doing what I was supposed to do. 
this, this wrestling match with sin and this struggle to get to heaven. And then someone told me, Jesus already dealt with sin. I'm already in heaven. So now what's my response to that? In this marriage, what's my response to that? Pick me, Lord. I'll do it. Tell me, Holy Spirit. I've been, I'm, I'm only four years old. I've only been a Christian for four years. I got delivered out of 10 years of substance abuse and suicidal depression. I attempted suicide three times. I got delivered out of that stuff in four years. And that's just, I'm just saying this is where God's taking me. I went from that place to I've been to Israel, Greece, and Jordan. I've been to Africa twice. I've been to Haiti twice. I've been around the U.S. twice. Um, I've seen probably 60-plus people who are deaf and blind, just deaf and blind, healed instantly, some of them born with it, seen two legs grow out on two different people, and seen countless people who had chronic pain and stuff instantly healed. This is the, God, this is the life that launched. I didn't do anything to earn it. I'm not on any different level. I'm the same, exactly the same as you guys. God just launched me into it. All I did was say yes. And I believe like that this generation right here, that these people are so hungry, they're so desperate for God to show up and to manifest and become real. And they don't, if we just let go and don't care what it looks like. Yeah. And I feel like today, we did this last night, but I feel like today that God is, is awakening destiny. And there's stuff that's inside of some of us in here embryonically. And I've talked to Dane, I've talked to Nico, like, man, I really don't know what God wants me to do. I really don't know. What to, and they come to a place of frustration and anger and like, man, I really just want to know right now. And um, I want to encourage you that, that it says in the word that just at the right time, Christ died for sinners. God works at a just at the right time uh, system. <laughs> if everything's predestined, then he works at just at the right time system. And I want to read this to you. It's, it's Ephesians 1, uh, 4 through 11. It says, even as in his love, he chose us. He actually picked us out for himself in Christ before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless in his sight, even above reproach before his love. For he foreordained us, destined us, planned and loved for us to be adopted, revealed as his own children through Jesus Christ, in accordance with the purpose of his will, because it pleased him and was his kind intent, so that we might be to the praise and commendation of his glorious grace, his favor and his mercy, which he so freely bestowed upon us. In him we have redemption. Through his blood and the remission of our offenses, in accordance with the riches and the generosity of his gracious favor, which he lavished upon us in every kind of wisdom and understanding, making known to us the mystery of his will, in accordance with his good pleasure, which he had previously purposed and set forth in him, for the maturity of the times and the climax of the ages, to unify all things and head them up and consummate them in Christ and things of heaven and things on earth. In him we are also made God's heritage, his portion, and we obtained an inheritance, for we have been foreordained in accordance with his purpose, who works out everything in agreement with the counsel and design of his own will. So it's saying right here that God is making known to us the mysteries of his will, and then it says in 11, who works out everything in agreement with the counsel and design of his own will. So not only is he going to reveal to you his will, he's going to work it out for you. All you have to do is just say yes. God is just looking for yes hearts. He's just looking for a bride that will say, I do. That's all he's looking for for you. And if you don't know what it is, that's okay. But you need to start asking. You need to start saying, God, what do you want me to do with your life? I don't want to live the status quo. I do, whatever you want, God, whatever this life is supposed to look like, I'll receive it. Whatever it looks like, God, 
whatever it looks like. I'll go wherever you want me to go. I'll do whatever you want me to do. God is calling some of you to stay here. God is calling some of you to be fathers and mothers. There's tons of kids walking in and out of this church who don't have fathers, who don't have mothers. God is calling some of you to go. It was prophesied over this church that there would be many apostolic leaders raised up in this churches. It was prophesied over this church that people would be going to many nations, that they would be raised up and trained and equipped out of this church. Who raises them up and equips them? You. If, what the words say about like who can go if somebody sends them? What's that spiel in Romans? Beautiful are the feet, all that spiel. You're the senders. If you're staying here, that's cool, but you're the senders. You're just supposed to be raising up these kids. You're supposed to be raising up people around you. Uh, some of you elders and people in this church, you have so much gold in you. You have so much inside of you to release. You can literally lay hands on these kids, literally, and say, I impart to you knowledge and revelation and wisdom that God has given me. As you freely gave me, I freely give. You can literally do that. I literally laid hands on Nico and Dane. And I just started, I was like, you don't have time to read all the books I read. And I just started imparting to them. And I've seen rapid, rapid growth. The the systems of this world do not apply to us. Jesus disarmed all principalities and powers. That's what the word said. Every principle, learning is a principle. It's a system. Jesus disarmed it. You don't believe me? Who was Jesus' math teacher when he fed 5,000 people with a few loaves of bread? He disarmed a principle. Math is a principle. Everything in this world that's a principle, he's disarmed it. Why? So that there could be growth in seasons where there's no growth. Remember when he cursed the fig tree? It wasn't the season for figs. But Jesus was painting this picture that there can be growth in seasons where there's not supposed to be growth. I can lay hands on the stoniest, most angry person's heart, and instantly, by the love of God, they can be transformed. I've seen it happen. I've been in prison. I've seen child molesters, rapists, and murderers. The people who are missing teeth, covered in tattoos, bald white supremacists, don't touch me, looked all angry. And I laid hands on them, and we prayed for them. And the love of God fall, and they're just ruined. They're ruined by the love of God. There can be fruit in seasons where it doesn't appear like there should be fruit. Because Jesus has disarmed principalities and powers and systems. And you are an inheritor of that, is what Ephesians just said. You're an inheritor to that. When you walk into your workplace, you have a sphere of influence. When you walk into your school, you have a sphere of influence. You can literally impact people by touching them. Just knowing who you are. Peter's shadow healed people. There wasn't anything special about Peter's shadow. He just knew who he was. I had a, we had a friend. She came into my house. I shared this testimony. She had a, her ear was pierced. And it was infected, it was swollen, it was inflamed. She didn't even tell me. And I hugged her when she came in, I hugged her when she left. She gets a hold of me a week later. She said, you healed me last week. I'm like, what are you talking about? Apparently, when I hugged her the second time, she said, my ears started tingling. I got out in the car, I started rolling the piercing, the infection was gone, the inflammation was gone, all the crusty stuff was gone, it looked totally normal. And she recognized, she wasn't a Christian, she recognized and knew God did it. She's like, do you think I'm crazy? And I just laughed. Like, no. But that literally is what you carry inside of you. Literally, that's what you carry inside of you, where you can just lay hands on people. And the, we had a friend, uh, we were watching a video the other night in my house, and she wrestles with a lot of things that I preach and say. And to make a long story short, she, she, just like, she was like sitting there weeping on my couch beside of me. Uh, she grabbed a hold of my arm and just weeping, weeping, weeping. And I asked what, later she said, what, what happened was God told her. She said, well, she didn't say God. She said, something told me to grab a hold of Michael. And when I grabbed a hold of Michael, I felt love and peace just come on me like I've never felt before. I knew it was God. That's what's inside of you. That's what the Word says. That's what's inside of you. And, and we have to come in agreement with that and step in that. You, we have people who are lost in our families. We have people who are broken in our families. And you, 
you carry the influence. You carry the favor. You carry it on you. It's inside of you. And again, I, I just, I don't know. I want to wake up purpose and I want to wake up destiny in your life. Not for the sake of being, doing stuff. Jesus said to the disciples, I no longer consider you servants because servants don't know what their master's doing. I call you friends. And you didn't choose me. I chose you. I want to share that with you. Like a lot of people, I just want to serve the Lord. I just want to serve. God doesn't need servants. He has angels. He needs a bride. He needs a bride motivated out of love, not motivated out of obligation. You're motivated out of obligation. You're a slave. Slaves are measured by what they do, they do or don't do. If you know who you are and this love that God has for you, you'll, get, you'll do a lot more than a slave will. You'll do a lot more than a slave will. And uh, so I don't really know how to close it. I just want to release to you guys. And, and if I've said anything that's kind of outside the box or offended you, I just apologize ahead of time. But um, I'm just going to release um, yeah, over you guys. And uh, then I'll hand it over to you. Yeah. yeah, Daddy, I just thank you for everybody here, Lord. I thank you um, for their lives and what you've predestined for them. God, I thank you, Jesus, for the life that you have for them. And Father, I just speak to the things that are inside of people right now. I speak to the dreams and the desires that are inside people right now. I just break off complacency uh, and plasticity right now in Jesus' name. And I thank you, Father, for just waking up God-given dreams that you put inside of them, waking up gifts that you put inside of them. God, I break off unbelief and disappointment and discouragement right now for people they've laid hands on and didn't get healed. I just break off the discouragement of that situation right now. And I thank you, Father, that they would be motivated and propelled by love. God, that they'd be controlled by love. I thank you, Father, for people who just say yes. They don't care if they're ridiculed. They don't care what it looks like, Father, but they just say yes to you. And I thank you, Father, um, for nature shakers and generation changers. I thank you for people who are just desperate for your heart. They're desperate for your will. They're desperate for what you want, Lord. And I just thank you for fathers and mothers in this church. I thank you for fathers and mothers in this church that will love people right where they're at and let you take them to where they need to be. I thank you for people uh, in this church who are raising up young people. I thank you for people who have sacrificed of their time, who have given their time. And I thank you that they have the boldness just to impart and release the things that you've given them. God, I thank you for young people who are coming to, to, these, to these people to receive. That their hearts would be open. And I thank you for the nations, God, that you're calling these people to. I thank you for the nations that you're calling them to. So right now, Jesus, I pray that your love would just manifest in this place. I pray that you would just ruin their hearts right now. You'd ruin their hearts right now for what America has told them life is supposed to look like. That you'd ruin their hearts right now for what their parents have told them that life is supposed to look like. That you'd ruin their hearts right now for what their pastors have told them life is supposed to look like. And that they would lean on the Holy Spirit. That they wouldn't lean on their own understanding. They wouldn't lean not on their understanding, but they would trust the maker of heaven, that they would trust the creator of all things that makes them coincide together, that they would trust you, Lord. Yeah, and I just bless them right now. I bless them in their endeavors. God, I speak to just favor, prosperity, and influence over people who are trying to get into college. I just speak favor, prosperity, and influence over them. I speak it over people in their workplace. We pray the Holy Spirit has ministered to your heart. Thanks again for listening. For more information on our ministry, visit us at ExtremeEncounter.org.